Thanks to NewZest for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Led by nature and backed by science, NewZest has powerful, nutrient-packed formulas for a stronger, brighter, and more active you. For 15% off your purchase, go to newzest.us slash abxl. All right, let's get to the show. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host. Always giving you the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. This is episode 68. We know the show is all about y'all, so all you have to do is participate. Send in your voice memos via mail. So to make it easy, just use your phone, the voice memo app. Tell us your name, where you're from, what you'd like to talk about, your comments, your questions, your good apples, your bad apples. Send them in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z at gmail.com. It sounds better. Keep it around a minute, minute 30, and uh, we'll plug you into the show. And plenty of you are jumping on board and doing that, and it sounds great. So let's just get right into it. This is all about the MacBook Pros this week. Apple surprised us. It came out of nowhere. We didn't see it coming. Apple released new MacBook Pros, a new 13-inch and 15-inch Pro featuring the latest Intel 8th Gen and 9th Gen processors. What you're getting now, up to eight cores on a MacBook Pro at the high, high end on the 15-inch. You're going to get twice the performance from a quad-core from the previous generation, a 40% performance gain from a six-core to the new eight-core machine. Here's the thing. The chassis, the design, the physical screen, the shape, everything about this is still using the earlier design, so a lot of people were complaining about. Remember how Apple was throttling the speed? They then sent out a software update. Well, you're probably you're still no matter what you're not going to get the max optimal speed. We haven't seen if there's any heating issues specific to this or cooling, you know, cooling issues where it does significantly throttle them down. My hunch is that it won't, but again, you're still packing an even more powerful processor into the same exact design. To me, yes, this is a big bump in performance and that's great, but you're only going to see the biggest biggest improvement if we finally see kind of that true next generation MacBook Pro. This is honestly just a speed bump. Now, we talk about the solid performance, but let's talk about also the actual, put put it to the test and see where they're at. We know about the Geekbench benchmarks, and according to them, the single core performance score for a new high-end 2019 MacBook Pro with the highest processor, single core score, 5,879, multi-core score, 29,184. Compare that to the high-end machine from last year, the one that I have, single-core score, 5,348, multi-core score, 22,620. So from a multi-core score, 29,000 versus 22,000. It's roughly around a 29% jump in performance, so you are actually getting those gains. Now, we like to have fun here, and I always like to jump on the website the 15-inch with a 6-core, this is going to be your entry-level 6 15-inch machine, starts at $23.99. Now, the 15-inch with the 2.3 gigahertz 8-core starts at $27.99. But let's push it. Let's max this bad boy out. If you go with a 15-inch with 2.4 gigahertz and the 8-core, that's a little like a $200 bump in price, a little faster than kind of the standard 8-core that they have that's at 2.3. Then you throw in 32 gigs of RAM, 
max out the video cards, the Radeon Pro Vega 20, and then go four terabytes of storage. You are looking at a machine that is $6,549 before tax and before Apple Care. So that is what we call a beast. What I would recommend to any of you, though, that are buying machines in general, Apple's price on storage is always really expensive. So what I'd recommend to you is put as much internal storage as you can afford. And then the smarter option is to then get an external hard drive where you can get a whole lot more value and more terabytes of storage uh, and then just plug it in through the USB 3. That's how I would approach it. Uh, I have, when I maxed mine out, I didn't, I couldn't, I was not going to put four terabytes of storage in it, but I put two terabytes at least. So I'm doing a lot of 4k video editing. So $6,549 would be the maxed out price of a MacBook Pro if you went in that direction for the 15 inch. The other biggest thing about this MacBook Pro, and you've heard about it already probably is the updated keyboard. It uses a new material that will cut down on its failure problems. Apple will not say exactly what those new materials are in this butterfly keyboard design. The design has not changed. So it's still the same exact butterfly keyboard design, but the new materials is what makes it different. They say this update will significantly cut down on issues like double key presses and missed key presses. So then the big question is, did they really fix it, right? They put in a new material, but what is this material? What does it do? Well, I fix it. We know how they like to break down and completely dismantle products to show us what's inside them. I fix it decided to look into this new material or membrane because remember, 2018 is where they add that kind of rubbery, semi-opaque silicone membrane to prevent crumbs and other things from getting underneath it. Well, iFixit reports after their breakdown that the cover on the 2019 model is clearer and smooth to the touch. Based on their infrared analysis, it appears that the 2018 membrane was made with a polyacetylene, while the 2019 covers uses a polyamide, which is basically a nylon. iFixit also found that the metal dome over each key switch is subtly different as well. It could be a new surface treatment, they say, and or a tweaked alloy, possibly to alleviate problems with durability, bounce back, or other issues. So the materials are the same. But I again, again, I ask, did they really, really fix it? Because Apple has had their keyboard service program for the MacBook, the MacBook Air and MacBook Pro. This is their service program to swap out the keyboard in case it has issues. Some of the issues that this program covers, letters or characters that repeat unexpectedly, letters or characters that do not appear, and keys that feel sticky or do not respond in a consistent manner. So eligible models for this program date as far back as early 2015 for the MacBook with a Retina display and a 12-inch screen. Well, this is why it begs the question, they might have improved the materials, but did they really fix it? To me, the answer is no, because nothing fundamentally changed, but also on this keyboard service program for the MacBook, the 2018 models that were recently released appears on it, but also the 13-inch 2019 models that were just announced and the 15-inch 2019 models that were just announced are instantly added to this list for the keyboard service program for the MacBook, MacBook Air, and MacBook Pro. So 
if you were really thirsty about the idea of you have a 2018 machine and you want this extra juice and power because you deal with high intensive media and whatnot, I would still lean against updating to the 2019 MacBook Pro if you're one of those people. Now, if you're someone who has a machine from a long time ago and it is time to upgrade, then fine, like upgrade. No matter what, you're not gonna be able to avoid the keyboard issues that have plagued the MacBook and MacBook Pro lines from 2015 till now. That's just the way it is because of the choices and decisions that they made. We will see what type of longevity this new updated keyboard with the new materials has, but it's one of those things that you just don't know until it starts showing rearing its ugly head, which this recent design that they completely touted and just were profusely laying praise on as the next revolution in keyboards is really a dud in a revolution of keyboards. So my advice to you is exactly that. If you have an early machine, okay, give it a go. But if you have one from last year, even 2017, it's not. Unless you really need that juice, it's not worth it. I'm more curious about what happens with the rumored 2019 slash 2020 potential 16-inch MacBook Pro, which we will talk about in a second. Now, in addition to that keyboard repair program, Apple also launched a new backlight service program for the 2016 13-inch MacBook Pro displays to address the FlexGate issue. This was a long-running conversation. It was posted everywhere. Apple did not address it. Apple, until recently this week, basically stayed away from it. This is where some people in their 2016 MacBook Pro's 13-inch, at least this program is specific to the 13-inch, would see a line at the bottom that was kind of like a line of light that was that showed like vertical bright areas along the bottom of the screen. This also backlights that malfunction entirely. If you have a 2016 13 inch MacBook Pro that has been giving you that trouble, you can bring it in for service and it'll be completely taken care of through their backlight service program. So check it out. This is another thing that they're doing to address the issues with MacBook Pros. But even with all these issues and Yes, it is my number one work tool that I have to have, but there's still a lot of things that make me roll my eyes about it where it used to not be that way. The keyboard, the touch bar, I think the trackpad, although they wanted to make it really big, I think it's too big actually and it can get in the way sometimes. That's fine. I don't need the touch bar at all. Pretty ranted about it multiple times here enough, so we're not gonna do that. But this is what all these problems, It doesn't. it's not gonna discourage college students Because in a recent survey by Apple device management company, Jamf, 71% of students surveyed said they would either use a Mac or prefer to use a Mac if cost were not a consideration. So at the current time, the students that were surveyed, 40% of them use a Mac and 60% of them use a PC. A total of those students, 71% said they would prefer to use a Mac if cost were not a consideration. So, yeah, we know, we talk about the Apple tax, it's real, but when you have younger people like that that really, really want to get on board, it's just setting you up for the future, so let's get on it, make a compelling product, make a truly innovative product, streamline this thing, give us some level of touchscreen interaction, even at the most basic level. We did. I did an episode maybe like two or three months ago about what my wish list for the next generation MacBook Pro would be. And there's so many nuggets in there. We're checking out if you want to. 
but college students are ready to roll with a MacBook Pro, just if it wasn't so expensive. Er, duh. Also, if we're talking about the future road of the MacBook Pro, a new report, according to Korean site The Elec, says Samsung is rumored to supply OLED displays for the new rumored 16-inch MacBook Pro and future iPad Pros. Again, that is according to rumor. Now, A, would I love an OLED screen on a MacBook Pro? Absolutely, yeah. That's beautiful. We first heard about this potential 16-inch, 16-and-a-half-inch MacBook Pro from well-known analyst Ming-Chi Kuo. He did say that the notebook would launch sometime in 2019 with an all-new design. He never said exactly what display technology would be in it. Maybe this first one doesn't get an OLED display since this report coming about Samsung providing them would be most likely something down the road. That, again, is if the new 16-inch MacBook Pro comes out this year. Just because they just announced the latest speed bumps, that's fine. I really feel like by them doing this more under-the-radar release, it opens the door for not only WWDC to be very focused on the software, but maybe we will see a sneak peek of something hardware-wise that doesn't have to do with, you know, I don't want to call it a legacy design, but an old design. Maybe we do finally get a tease of the new modular Mac Pro. Maybe we get a tease of the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Probably not with the MacBook Pro, but if everything holds in line, yeah, I would I would still think we could see the 16-inch MacBook Pro sometime in the fall, at the very least. I want to see that machine. I uh, We've long are gone to the days of that, that large screen 17-inch MacBook Pro, and it was big, but it was glorious. And for people that are on the go that need a legit workstation that want that bigger screen, it makes a difference for video editing. It absolutely does. Photoshop, all that type of multimedia stuff, if that's what you're into. So the report says the future could be Samsung OLEDs on MacBook Pros, and I love every bit of that. All right, thanks again to Newzest for supporting this podcast. Newzest is made from European golden peas grown in the north of France. It's a plant-based pea protein powder that's high in protein and low in calories. It contains no added sugar, no stevia, and is naturally sweetened with a West African fruit extract. Now, it was actually my girlfriend who got me into trying out Newzest originally. She loved it, and she buys it for herself, so I decided to give it a shot, and it's really smooth, so... When I blend it up, there's no grit or chalkiness, and then you can blend it into a smoothie you make or just drink it straight up with just almond milk. New Zest is the number one vegetable protein in New Zealand, and it's now available in the U.S. It was voted the number one vegetable protein for 2018 and 2019 by VeryWellFit.com and one of the top 10 vegan proteins by Health Magazine. So for 15% off your purchase, go to newzest.us slash ABXL. That's spelled N-U-Z-E-S-T dot U-S slash A-B-X-L. All right, it's time to bring in our senior legal correspondent and AppleBits XL listener. I always love doing this. Gil Cabrera in the house. What's up, Gil? What's up, Brian? Good to be back with you. Always. And you know what? Uh, whenever there comes to some of this legal shindig stuff, I got I got to get my expert in the house. So let's talk about this Apple and Qualcomm we already know that they settled, but this settlement is basically expected to stand despite the recent FTC ruling. Can you talk about this and tell people what is actually going on? 
Sure. Well, the, the FTC case um, is, is sort of broader against Qualcomm and all of their practices. And so the Judge Coe uh, sort of found that they were actually committing antitrust violations and, and, and kind of leveraging their edge in the technology space and their patents, which, you know, you would expect somebody that invented everything to do, mm-hmm. um, uh, but doing it in a way that's ultimately unfair, particularly for something that's a standard, right, like, like the cell phone technology that they pioneered. Um, I wasn't surprised that it doesn't affect the Apple Qualcomm settlement. And you'll recall when we talked about it, um, you know, it really felt like Apple had no choice but to settle with Qualcomm because, you know, Intel was going away. And so it's not surprising to me that the the agreement basically didn't matter <laughs> what what the FTC case ha- uh, did because Apple's like, look, we, we need your tech, man. So we're, we're going to go for it and this is going to be the agreement and we're going to move forward with this agreement. Um, now, Judge Coe's ruling is pretty broad and so it may have some effect on the, on the agreement if it caps, for instance, uh, Qualcomm's the fees that Qualcomm can do from a legal standpoint. But other than that, Apple's agreement with Qualcomm will sort of stand. So this is interesting because I have a question about this. So we know that Apple and Qualcomm, they had their own beef about patents, about pricing. Would do you feel or do you think that when they came to this agreement, because they knew that there was a separate FTC ruling that was expected to happen, completely separate from their settlement and beef together, that they already knew that whatever happens here, we're just going to agree like this is we're going to have our own agreement. The FTC thing, whatever happens there happens, but we're going to stick to this agreement because Apple is honestly going to need to be dependent on the technology that Qualcomm is bringing for future phones. Yeah, given that it was a, the, the decision by Judge Coe was pending, right? Everybody knew it was coming when the settlement was entered, entered into. We, we even talked about it when we talked about the settlement. So they would have accounted for it. And uh, since we now know for sure that it doesn't uh, – automatically uh, uh, eliminate the agreement, then what it counted for was that regardless of Judge Coe's ruling, this is going to be our agreement and this is how we're going to go. Now, the only limitation on that is to the extent she enters some sort of uh, injunction or other kind of directive to uh, to Qualcomm uh, that sort of limits certain practices, if those practices are in this agreement, that those two would be modified mm. uh, because they'll be, bo- they'll be modified across the industry, essentially. Anybody that has a current deal with Qualcomm if this if this ruling stands by the way as we know it's going to be appealed all the way up uh, <laughs> but if if this ruling stands anybody that has an agreement with Qualcomm that that violates the parameters of whatever she says uh, she thinks is unfair and won't happen just kind of goes away and is restructured by whatever order she ultimately issues all right and then for people that are listening them that just to refresh their brain about the whole Apple and Qualcomm settlement they agreed they didn't put out the official number but somewhere between a 4.5 to 4.7 billion dollar agreement between the two um just to move forward be friends shake hands and maybe hug maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. well there's definitely some some paid for hugging going on though, because <laughs> they'll 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 be uh you know there's also ongoing licensing uh that they're, they're sort of cross licensing and and presumably the net payments are to um qualcomm uh for their tech as they sort of start moving forward uh, and then whatever modems they buy from Qualcomm, it's going to be factored into that as well. So they're, 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 they basically agreed, look, we're just going to we're going to do business together. These are the terms of how we're going to do business on a going forward basis uh, for the foreseeable future. And that's that's what the settlement was. And, you know, like we, we talked about this, there's, yeah. Apple had to do this. Yep. Right. Otherwise, they, they were going to not have a 5G modem for their 2020 line 
and and maybe their 2021 line because they may have had to work with like Huawei or somebody and there's all sorts of limits there. I mean, they were they were in a desperate situation because what was it like 30 minutes later after the settlement was announced? Intel's like, Intel. we're out. By the way, we're out. I, I, I'm, I'm sure nobody that was discussing the settlement knew that. I mean, it, you know, Apple totally knew. <laughs> all right. So we have that all wrapped up. Look, this is we're also starting to get to the best time of the year. I think once June through the fall hits, this is where we get a majority of Apple news, Apple keynotes, Apple hardware. Earlier in the show, I kind of talked about and broke down what we expect to see or what's happening around the new MacBook Pros. Were you impressed by these or not? Where do you stand with the new 2019 MacBook Pros? I mean, it's a crazy power um, upgrade, uh, but you know, for me, I've got a 20, like an early 2018, uh, sort of like this. I think it's the second gen Touch Bar uh, version. Um, aside from desperately wanting to get a space gray one, cause I'm sick of the sort of standard <laughs> color. Um, I, I know, I know. Well, so, th- so what happened with this one is I, I was going to get a, a MacBook this year, but my wife's firm buys her one every couple of years. And then last year they completely switched over. So af- like six months after she bought her MacBook pro, the firm said, now we're going to give you a, we're just going to give you a new one and then we're going to issue you a new one. So I totally inherited this like, you know, beautiful brand new MacBook pro. And for me, I don't need the power, right? Like I, I don't mm-hmm. heavily edit video or anything like that. I'm, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I use basically <laughs> off, off, you know, office suites uh, type of stuff. Real intensive, so, intensive stuff. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't need a ton of power. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. And then, I, you know, you and I have talked about this offline. The that damn touch bar and, and the thing that kills me is I, I trigger that stupid Siri button <laughs> on the touch bar. <laughs> like 15 times yeah, a day she's yeah. like I, and then sometimes you don't notice it right she's like i don't know what you mean gil and i'm like what yeah. what is going on <laughs> what so, is going on yeah so i'm hoping that maybe next year they'll kind of at least refresh the look of them and that's maybe when i'll upgrade that so for me it's not a big deal because again i don't need the power you though man are you heartbroken that, that it's just overwhelming your one-year-old laptop now <laughs> First of all, um, you know, Gil, I think a lot of listeners really feel bad for you listening to your predicament. It just sounds like a really tough life right now, debating between uh, the space gray and the uh, classic silver design. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll offer you a hug. I'll, I'll offer you. Some- <laughs> It's always fun when you're debating three to four grand for a color uh, change. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, the thing is that I was jealous. I am. Look, I need as much power as possible. I'm still going to stick with my MacBook Pro because I'm not willing to just all of a sudden be like, hey, let's upgrade. For me, if I was going to get the machine, I'm going to get the top of the line machine. And I don't right. need to spend $6,500 plus on a machine right now. So I'm actually just really more curious to see what they're going to do with the next gen machine. The thing that discourages me the most, and I talked about it earlier, is really just the fact that this is exactly the same design with just a speed bump. And it's not like the cooling has gotten any better. And it's not like the keyboard has truly gotten that much better. It's still, this machine still qualifies for the keyboard replacement program. So if anyone has a 2018 MacBook Pro, unless you desperately need that that extra juice, don't get it. There's no and reason to, to get it. So this is, you're, you're laughing at this. So my wife and I, she's a lawyer too, we're often working like next to each other in bed or something. Mm-hmm. And when she used to use this computer, I would be like, my God, you are destroying your, your, your keyboard. Because it sounded like she was just, pounding on the thing mm-hmm. and then when i get it it turns out it's just the damn keyboard it just sounds like you're destroying the keyboard because there's no give yep and so you're just hammering on it and it's as loud as i mean i whenever i'm taking notes in a meeting on my computer i feel bad because it's just crazy loud 
and, and so and so and they're not changing that at all so no. I, you know no and and nor nor will they i think in any in, in near future okay so you kind of even touched upon them but let's just say off the top maybe the top three things that you could think of right now that you'd like to see in the next whatever the next generation macbook pro is when they do a new redesign so i know they'll never ever do this but i really do think they need to start giving us some touch screen capability on the screen amen it, it, it doesn't even have to be that great and i used to not believe in this at all you know i used to think ah it, I don't need it. It's a laptop. But I, the number of times now that my finger just goes up to touch something on the stupid screen <laughs> is ridiculous, right? Because you're just used to it. And it, it, as they kind of merge the OSs a little bit more and more, I think they, I think they should just bite the bullet and do it. And heck, make it an option, right? Like they, kind of the way they brought in the touch bar, like make it a higher end option and see how it goes. Because I think people will go for it. Um, I, you know, I, I'm the touch bar and I, I, you know, I never even thought about this. I bet you, I, I'm assuming I could remove that Siri button. Cause that's the only thing that really bugs me. You can put a um, piece of tape over it. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's, that doesn't work, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing that bugs me because you just hit it accidentally so much. The, what I like about the touch bar is when if I'm texting or something and you could do the emojis real nice there. Damn it. Cool. I, oh, Gil, you just lost street cred with me right now. No, man, that's just, a nice, <laughs> that's a nice use. I, I, I think I even texted you once when I figured out that I could do it. Cause like for the longest time I'd never do it. And I'm like, dude, this is the one handy feature here is I get to see the emojis and push the button. Okay. So <laughs> at the new, at WWDC, when they, when they specifically call out new emojis in iOS 13, I'm gonna think. I'll be thinking of you at that specific moment of you going. Yes, just the fist. Yeah. Yes, I got I, it. I mean, of course, I, I you know that some total of emojis I use is like six. You know, like really heart. Crazy. Yeah, well, you know, it's the heart. It's the eggplant. It's the peach. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know what comms you think I'm having. But it, 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 mine is the thumbs up, a pointing down, a fire, uh, and then the re- a couple variations on the smiley face. That's that's about the extent of my emoji usage. I, I think I think uh, I need to do some segment where whenever I interview people, we look at their most recent emojis because that'll oh, tell you that will that tell be, you so much about people. That would be hilarious. You should totally oh my do god! That. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, WWDC coming up for you personally. I, I'm always excited about WWDC, but what are you hoping to see? If there's one thing that you really want Apple to do at WWDC for you, uh. I, I so I I don't care about the sort of pro machines, but I'm curious to see what it's going to look like because it's mm-hmm. you know so I'd be curious to see if they give you a tease of that. Um, I think that we're we're all sort of hoping for it, and I'd be curious to see how that modular what they do with the modular design. I'm I you know like you man, I'm I'm so desperate for them to innovate <laughs> that I almost don't care if it's even in an area that I will never buy anything. <laughs> right like it's like it's like oh there you there you are apple there there you go that's right you guys can still you know uh but but that would be interesting i think uh i you know we're not we've now sort of heard a lot of the rumors on the on the various os upgrades Mm -hmm. it's all kind of you know moderate type of stuff there's nothing too exciting that they would burn up and again if they could just start moving towards giving us some touchscreen capability on 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 stuff outside the ios universe that would be i think that would be a huge leap forward for apple i really do yeah i mean the biggest thing that they keep on talking about is how they want to merge the ability for their apps to be developed under this whole marzipan platform that it can go on whenever someone develops an app that it can go on all three platforms mac ios um or you know multiple ios devices maybe watch os but i 
if that's like their biggest piece of cohesion, I just hope to see something the, special from the iPad OS because that more than anything would give me an indication of, okay, maybe they might bring this to the Mac. Maybe not. We'll see. But iOS 13 well, on, the, yeah. on the iPad will be probably the, the th- this is the year where they make another big jump for iOS on the iPad. What else? I mean, so for me, again, this is where uh, what I use them for doesn't really, isn't really too much. Right. So I use it for, again, kind of, if I'm not, if I'm carrying my iPad around, it's mostly for either a game, uh, some sort of media, uh, video media usually, or um, kind of desperately. Sometimes I'll just take my 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 uh, iPad for notes, and then I can use you know I can use Word, and those are pretty pretty well in there. And then all of my kind of uh, law firm documents are in Dropbox, mm-hmm. so I can I can still sort of use it. It's just not it's not as seamless as it is on a laptop yet. Um, but it's, but it's getting there and it's really close. So if they can tighten up that integration, that would be nice. I always, so my thinking on the Marzipan thing is, is that it does open the door for the touchscreen stuff, doesn't it? I mean, if they're, if they're, if they're merging those universes, it starts going there. And I'll tell you, you know, my Star Trek game that I'm totally addicted to (laughs) that that my wife, that my wife now makes fun of me for, um, uh, wait, please, please call out the name of it again. What is it called again? Like Star Trek fleet command. Um, (laughs) It's, uh, dude, there's like a whole YouTube ecosystem I don't, around this game. I don't it's even crazy. deny it. I don't even deny it's it. It's crazy. Anyway, sure so um, uh, I can only play it on my iPad and my iPhone, <laughs> and I would love to be able to play it on a laptop from time to time if I'm in my office, because, you know, because I, you, you know, got to work all that. You got a break. You got to oh, yeah. get a break when in I, there. When I need a break. Right now, it's like, you know, my iPad is, is sitting next to my uh, laptop, and the iPad's open to Star Trek. <laughs> Does, not 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 surprising here. Not surprising here. Okay, we're gonna bang through some uh, stories about the iPhone because everyone look. We always got to hear more iPhone stories as we get closer to WWDC in September. This one just dropped. This is important for everyone, but Apple just released iOS twelve point three point one. It does some subtle fixes for messages and voice over LTE bugs. They never actually ran this through uh, the developer beta or the public beta because. These are not significant features that they need people to look at. So it's just a heads up. Some This seems like such a minor update. Like always, I typically wait a day or two before I do it. It's Even though, yeah, I'm not the first to get the latest iOS update, I'm not at the point where I trust Apple that it's going to be okay. They're going to need to prove themselves for like two or three years to me before I start doing it like day one. Are, are you a yeah. day one up to, upgrade or not? It depends on the upgrade. If it's if it's a if it's a bug fix like this, I usually wait a little bit because it feels like sometimes those are the ones that mess up the most. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so I, I I usually wait. If it's you know if it's a significant update that has a new toy in it, I usually can't help myself and I'm pathetic that way. And I just hit. I, I at least will update update one of my iOS models, but I'll I'll hold on it on this one because I don't even I didn't even know these bugs existed. So I assume <laughs> they're not really affecting me. Nah, not at all. Also, uh, for those of you who are just you know, twiddling your fingers and thumbs, hoping for new iPhones. Apple has registered 11 new iPhone models in the Eurasian Economic Commission database this week. This has typically now been a historical sign of when new hardware is coming. 11 models in total. These are expected to be the new iPhones, right? We have the rumored 5.8-inch and 6.5-inch OLED iPhones with a new design with that lovely rear camera. The patch, (laughs) the patch. Also, uh, the 6.1-inch LCD iPhone successor to the 10R. Those are expected to be coming again in fall, but this Eurasian Economic Commission filings just is kind of reinforcing that, yes, they're on their way. Nothing to really shake things up there. We also have the obligatory 
analyst breakdown of pretty much everything we've heard about about the iPhones. Barclays this time wanted to jump in and just reinforce what's coming in the 2019 iPhones. Again, the rear cameras with the triple array or the double array with the patch. The thing that they wanted to piggyback though on is people are already, we've, we've been talking about for at least a few months, the 2020 iPhones with the 5G support, a 3D sensing rear camera system, and a potential full screen touch ID. We'll see about that. I, yeah, we'll that's see. The thing that got that, that's what I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, but that's the one thing that got my attention, right? Like, is I, you know, FaceTime is nice when you're holding your phone and not driving a car. Not that you're holding your phone and driving a car, but, you know, let's <laughs> say hypothetically you're driving a car. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and, then, and then the other time that it hits me is at night when it's, like, on my, on my stand or something and I have to, like, kind of maneuver to sort of look at it, right? Um, it would be nice to have Touch ID back as an, as an option, but would they, if they bring Touch ID back, would they, leave, would they have them both? They could. I mean, if they if they have the right chip, Samsung is basically doing that right now, although their biometrics are slightly different. It's yeah. basically exactly what Samsung is doing um, on their current S10 and their future lineup. So if Apple does decide to integrate the chip, depending on who they go to or wait, you know, to me, that feels like a 2021 thing, but we'll see. How crazy is that that it's 2021 and Samsung's doing it? Well, it's not crazy. It's just the world we live in. But uh, the 21, 2021 to wait for that when, you know, they started touch ID and then like fell behind again. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's just, let's just, just make me cry a little more inside. All right. <laughs> this one, this one though, this final story makes me cry from laughter. I love this. Uh, I'm just going to get right to it. A man basically tricked Apple into replacing 1500 fake iPhones. This was a Chinese man on Wednesday. He pleaded guilty in Oregon to one count of trafficking counterfeit goods. Um, this is how he managed to trick Apple into replacing 1500 fake iPhones. Basically, he was a student at a community college in Albany, Oregon, Quan Xiang, and he had these fake handsets with basically sent to him from China. And then what he would do is he told he would go to Apple and say, "Hey, my phones don't power up. These were fake phones. They were registered with different names." So he pretty much submitted around three thousand counterfeit devices to Apple initially, roughly fifteen hundred were replaced by Apple, representing $895,000 lost to the company. But he actually got them replaced. He would then send them back to China to get paid for them. How much would they pay? The money would flow. These genuine replacements that replace counterfeit phones would be paid to Zhang's mother, who lives in China, and then she would deposit that money into Zhang's bank account. This story is awesome on so many (laughs) levels. I mean, first of all, at some point, like the way they caught him is that he used his actual home address for some of these, right? And not all of them, but for some of them, he had he had a sort of home address in in some place in Oregon. And then, um, and then I, I'm trying to think, like he went into the store through to how many different stores three thousand times over what period of time? I don't, like, yeah, right. You think these people would somebody would pick up on this a little bit? No, well, I don't. I, mean, I don't, don't want to like, kill. I don't want to say all Asians look alike. <laughs> I know. But, uh, I know where you're I'm going. Gonna, I'm going to say I all knew, Asians look alike. I knew you were going there. I knew you were going there. Hey, man, you and I look nothing alike. So let it go. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. You have the blood, my friend. You have the blood. I have, a, I have a very little blood. But anyway, that one was funny. And then uh, the best part is he had to he had to uh, get, forfeit his 2015 Mercedes-Benz <laughs> CLA 250 Coupe as part of the settlement. He lost his Mercedes, man. Yeah. So what do they say? Um, he has 
the U.S. Attorney's Office will recommend a prison sentence of three years and at least two hundred thousand in restitution. To Apple, but he lost his whip. How did they say how long he this whole scheme went? According That's to okay, between yeah. January two thousand sixteen and February two thousand eighteen, he's been doing yeah, this two years, two years. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's, that's, a, that's a yeah, that's a long, that's a long con, <laughs> dude. That, that's a. I mean, I I can imagine that's a pretty good hustle. They they did say, like you said about um him using an address. What Apple realized when they realized something was going on is their legal counsel sent him a cease and desist to an address in Corvallis where one hundred fifty of the warranty claims had originated. So. Look, if you're trying to return 3,000 phones, I'm sure it's hard to find 3,000 different names, 3,000 Apple accounts, and 3,000 addresses. You're yeah, going to get lazy, a, right? You're, you're at some point, and, and you know, you've know you been doing it for two years. You think you're cranking <laughs> at this point, right? And you've, you're, you're like, ah, they're never going to catch me. And then it's like, oh, my God. No, it's, it's hilarious. But the crazy thing is they sent him the cease and desist letter in June of 2017. He kept it going for another six months. Seven, eight months. Hey, another eight months. Dude, he's on YOLO. YOLO. I love. I love. I wish. We, I wish we had a picture of this guy because I'd love to see him. I mean, this 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 guy had some some serious balls. <laughs> <laughs> some cojones. All right. Well, hey, Gil. Uh, thanks for hanging out and um, you know, talking with us, talking about the case and having some fun. But um, we will always have you back as usual. But thanks again, buddy. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. All right. Again, this show is all about you all. This is the time where we take your voice memos, your voice calls. Remember, use the voice memo app. It sounds nice and crystal clear. Send it to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z to be a part of this because you make the show happen. So let's start off. First call coming into us from Carson. What's up, Brian? It's Carson from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm calling in with a few wish list things for WWDC. Of course, it's a developer conference, and we expect to hear a lot of things about all the software. And it's kind of crazy. We already really know most of everything that's going into, you know, all the new updates for all the Apple devices this year. But, you know, uh, your, your guy over at Bloomberg thinks we're really going to see a Mac Pro, and I, I think that would be awesome. But uh, they better not tease it. If it's not coming out soon, they better have that thing in late stages of production where we're going to see the hardware and it not be like AirPods and, <laughs> and other things, et cetera, et cetera. But another really cool thing that I think that they could do, this is probably not going to happen, but it's my wish list here. So I think that if they made a MacBook that had cellular, that kind of took the place of the MacBook that they have now, just because we have a MacBook Air and a MacBook, it, they kind of cancel each other out and one's a much better value than the other the MacBook Air. So so I just feel like, you know, what could they do with the MacBook line? It would be really cool to see that being sold at your AT&T, your Verizon with a cellular plan. I would invest for a super lightweight, you know, portable laptop with great battery life and get, you know, internet anywhere. So what do you think? Love the show. Thanks. I love that idea. There were, I think it was at least, it might be even three years back where Apple had actual patent filings that showed them putting in a cellular antenna into the frame of MacBook designs. So it's something they've obviously thought of. Right now, their only mobile slash it's a computer product would be the iPad Pro with LTE. But yeah, like you, I think that would be a great, great addition as a feature, as a build to order option, give it to us. So I'm completely in line with that. And as for the Mac Pro, yeah, only announce it if we're gonna definitely see it Definitely 100, 1,000% by the end of the year. So thanks for calling in, Carson. All right, next up, Asaf has a few 
things on his mind. Hey Brian, it's Asaf from Israel. I wanted to ask you what do you think about the App Store coming to the Apple Watch? Could that be a clue for third-party uh, watch faces? Uh, for me it sounds uh, pretty compelling, but uh, I'm not sure if there is uh, other evidence for this uh, step. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love the show. Peace. Thank you, Asaf. All the way from Israel. I love how we get that international flavor, especially since we opened this voice memo up thing um, and people just can email us. So, Asaf, I would love to see more watch faces. Eve, I don't think there's any indication that they're going to open it up to everyone. In fact, if Apple does it at all, they'll typically open it up to a few partners that they're friendly with. So, let's say, what would come to mind already? Probably Disney, right? the whole Disney relationship. They already have Pixar and Mickey Mouse watch faces. I wouldn't be surprised if they open up the gates for someone like them. If they were going to do some sort of special partner watch faces, I'd love to see a lot more. But again, from all indications, iOS 13 will have at least five or six new ones. But give us a store. I don't think it's coming anytime soon though. But that's just me. I could be wrong and hopefully I am wrong because Asaf, I know you want those, all right? Okay, here we go. Will V calling in. Yo, BT, this is Will V from New Jersey working in the NYC. I just wanted to ask you a really good question. I'm very curious to know how your home is set up. Are you doing streaming? Are you doing DirecTV, cable? I'm curious on how you're doing your setup. Right now, I use DirecTV, and I, of course, negotiated a very good deal. $55 a month I have them for. So I'm trying to go to streaming, but I'm just having a hard time doing it with the pricing I'm getting from DirecTV. So I'm just curious of what you do in your home and if there's any advice you would give on going to streaming instead of going to cable or satellite. Thanks, dude. Always loving the show, and I can't wait to see you in New York City when you get here. Thanks. Wait, how do you know I'm in New York? Am I coming to New York City? I'm I'm not coming out, but I, I'm I'm guessing you're just projecting. You're you're Nostratongasing. What could be in the future? Well, yes. So this is how I have my setup, and I've wanted to do a like an in-depth video about this, but I am a cable or a cord cutter to a certain degree. So what I have is. I actually use this through my Apple TV specifically. So it's a few components. I'll kind of not rush through it so you can follow along. I have two pieces to this puzzle or three. One of them is called the HD Home Run Extend. And what it is, is it's basically a little box that transcodes um, an HD antenna that you can have connected, you know, stuck on your window um, and then sends that signal into your Apple TV. So there's three parts to this. You have a HDTV antenna. I have one called the Clearstream Eclipse. It's like a circle that has an adhesive that you can stick onto a window because you're inside your home. That then goes into this box called the HD Home Run. The HD Home Run is roughly around $130. And then the HD Home Run connects your not only to your home network, but connects directly um, also into your Apple TV through the network. Now, what that allows me to do is the third piece of this puzzle is an app on your Apple TV called Channels. You need it, I believe, oh, I don't have it off the top of my head. I believe the Channels app is around $20 or $30, but no more than that. So what that now allows you to do is to see, to get that TV antenna AC signal over the air. So we're talking about all your local channels, bring them right into your Apple TV, have a guide that you can watch. And then while you're watching, 
it's not a true DVR. Uh, you can skip through ads. You can set it on a channel and just record and rewind and fast forward. But if you want, you can you can attach an external hard drive to it to the, and then sign up for their DVR service. It's kind of an add-on bonus. So that's how I bring in regular broadcast TV, all the major foreign networks. And then on top of that, I sign up for PlayStation View. I've liked PlayStation View the most um, just because it has the most channels that make sense for me. But whether it's PlayStation View, uh, Direct TV, Sling TV, YouTube TV, you pick the package or the streaming service that works best for you. Now, what it ends up costing me basically is once I buy the antenna, which is around $30, once I buy the Home Run HD, which is $130, and once I buy that channel app, which is like $20 or $30, I'm basically spending $200 up front. But I've been using this now for roughly four, this setup for four years. And then I'm only, and then I'm getting the PlayStation View service, which also has a package that allows you to get the, um, your, your local networks, which is cool. So you may not need this whole antenna thing at all, but, but I do. So I'm basically paying like $50, $60 per month for my cable, which is, I guess roughly around the same as what people uh, pay. It's actually probably a, a little less, but um, yeah, I just do internet and that, and then I think my total bill is roughly around a hundred dollars with internet, and then this um, cut your cord cable plan. That's how I do it. In the long run, though, it saved me money, and that's all that matters because I can have this stuff forever, and I'm good to go. So that's that's what I use an HD T an HD antenna this product called the HD Home Run, and then an app called Channels to at least manage my local TV and have some level of DVR functionality on it. And it has a full guide and everything. So it's nice. It's a nice setup. I really dig it. Okay, hopefully that wasn't too long. We're going to jump over to our next call, our buddy Burham in the house. Hey, Brian. It's Patreon member Burham here coming from Melbourne. Just want to see if you are still going to be covering Apple and tech news going forward. Now that you're famous covering all the NBA coverage over in the States. Love your work. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> okay. I had to give a shout out to Burham because also people ask me this. The reality of everything is, look, I'm a tech ride or die. That's how I started. That's how people that support me, whether you are on Patreon or listen, like that. that is what I'm here for. So I do have to do projects on the side once in a while to help supplement this, to help keep it going because I'm only, what, now a year and a month into this and progress is going great, but, you know, I still need to keep on growing and keep on pushing. The reality of it is I will always do tech. So a lot of times when I'm on the road, I've literally been bouncing between Vegas and LA every other day for the past two weeks to do this really fun, super badass segment on Inside the NBA on TNT with Shaq, Kenny and Charles, which is like a dream come true because it's a show that I watch. So, yeah, I have the ability. If if I'm blessed and fortunate enough to do these opportunities that I really of something that speaks to me that I love, I will do them. But I will always, I specifically make sure when I do these side gigs to to tell them like I still need time to do my YouTube videos and podcasts. It just means that when I'm doing these projects, it's like one video and one podcast per week instead of maybe two videos and a podcast or maybe two videos and two audio pieces and things like that. So I balance it out, but I will always be doing tech and I'm grateful for all of the support that you all um, have shown me and given me and really just kept me doing this and doing something that I genuinely love. So 
Burham? The answer is no, I'm not blowing up all famous. I'm just grinding and having fun doing this. And um, I will always be here. And I guess until I'm not. <laughs> so there you go. And thanks again for everyone that is listening to this show. Hopefully, you know, we're going to see next week. We're going to find a few more things out about WWDC 2019. The The stage is pretty much set, but we will do a preview show of everything we expect to see just right before the show. But other than that, thanks so much again. Be a part of the show. Send us your voice memos to the Applebits show at gmail.com. That's Applebits with a Z. You can also support my content at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. Starting at $2 a month, it goes up to $5, $10, $25, $100. Also, got to do a shout out to all of our platinum supporters at the $100 level. Sheesh. Thank you, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatikar. And if you want to support and you can't afford the Patreon, look, share it with your friends, tell them about it. But biggest thing also, put in that five-star review on iTunes. Do it right now. We're almost at 800, and that's how people can know, and that's how it bumps up in the algorithm. So take care. We'll see you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Be safe, everybody. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.